0: Good morning, friends. Uh, Today's message is the goodness of God. I'm going to start out just by simply declaring with total confidence that there's one unchanging truth that just permeates every crease of reality, and it's this. God is good. If you want to see God for who he really is, let me give you a kind of a starting point. 1 Chronicles 16.34, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. Psalm 34, verse 8, taste and see that the Lord is good. Psalm 100, verses 4 and 5, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise, give thanks to him and praise his name for the Lord is good and his love is eternal and his faithfulness endures to all generations. When Moses boldly pleaded with God, please show me your glory, he was asking to see God for who he really is. Show me as much as I can stand, Lord. So what did God show him? Well, Exodus 33, verses 19 to 20, God gives us us God's response. He said, I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you, and I will proclaim the name of Yahweh before you. See, Moses wanted to see God's glory. God showed him something so wonderful and accessible that it caused the skin of Moses' face to glow with the radiance of God's presence. He showed him his goodness. Well, let's define God's goodness. We sing about it, we say it often, but do we really fully understand this attribute of God? Let's just meditate on the goodness of God this morning. Now, the Bible defines God's goodness in two ways. Uh, One has to do with his character. The other focuses on his actions. Psalm 119, verse 68 captures both when it says of God, You are good, and you do what is good. See, the first half of that verse focuses on that fact that God is by nature good. That is, he is morally excellent, extraordinarily beautiful, deeply glad, and extravagantly bountiful. But since this is a God we're talking about, this goodness described to him is raised to the highest possible levels. I mean, think about it. God is the original definition of good. He is good in and of himself. For us, goodness is just an added quality but it comes naturally for him god is not just the greatest of beings he is the best that's exactly what jesus meant when he said no one is good but one god that's in mark 10:18 now we call all so- sorts of things good i mean the steak is good he's a good friend that was a good movie that was a good ball game but all that we call good on this earth is tainted and imperfect god alone is goodness itself But how do you see the true character of a person? Well, it's by his actions. So the second strand of definition for God's goodness concentrates on what he does. And the Bible is replete with descriptions that point to his kindness, his mercy, his steadfast love, his generosity. I mean, God is disposed to give to human beings beyond all deserving all the time. Now, have you ever thought of God as generous toward you? I mean, can you believe that when he looks at you with all of your baggage, all of your junk, all of your hang-ups, he says, I want to be generous to you. I can't wait to pour out on you that which will make you happy, not because you deserve it, but because there's something about who I am that loves to overflow in extravagant ways upon you. The Bible says those are actually God's thoughts about you. God is for you. He has your back. He's there. He's plotting to do you good. You are the object of his affection, and because of his divine nature, all that he expresses comes from an expansive, overwhelming, God sized generosity towards you. But maybe you just cannot go there this morning. Or maybe your circumstances are so mundane, you think your life is so hard, your options are so few that saying God is good feels kind of hollow. Well, let me help you see through the lenses the Bible supplies. Let's answer this question. How does God reveal his goodness? I'm going to give you three specific channels God uses to broadcast his goodness to us. And first is natural blessings. This is the lowest level at which he expresses his goodness and the one we tend to overlook or take for granted. But David saw it clearly. He was moved by God to write Psalm 145, a hymn of praise that celebrates God's goodness expressed in the created order. In verses 3 and 4, he says, God is great and is highly praised. His greatness is unsearchable. One generation will declare your works to the next and will proclaim your mighty acts. And then in verses 7 to 9, he describes what the older generation will say to the younger. They will give a testimony of your goodness and will joyfully sing of your righteousness. The Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and great and faithful love. But I want you to notice verse 9. The Lord is good to everyone. Now, who is included in everyone? Well, friend, you are. And in case we miss that, he repeats the idea in the next phrase, his compassion rests on all he has made. That means there is nowhere in the universe you can go where God will not be good to you. you. Get down to verses 15 to 17. You read more about his goodness. All eyes look to you and you give them their food in due time. You open your hand and satisfy the desire of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in all his ways and gracious in all of his acts. So every relationship, every job, every tree, every taste of food that pleases us, every bird song, every friend and flower and field are a reminder of his compassion for us. I mean, look in every corner of this world and every part of your day and you're going to find the overflow of his generosity if you'll only begin to look for it. Second are kind interventions. Psalm 107 is totally devoted to this theme, and It opens with joy. It says, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His faithful love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord proclaim that he has redeemed them from the hand of the enemy. And then the psalmist describes four different scenarios where God graciously steps in to reveal his goodness. Now, I'm not going to take the time to unfold each one. I'm just going to touch on it very briefly. You can go back and, and, and read this psalm and meditate on it and pray over it later. But first, God comes to the rescue of people who are frantically searching for something or someone that will satisfy their soul. When they cry out to the Lord, he delivers them, and their soul finds its true home. Second, God intervenes in the lives of those who have rebelled against the word of God and suffer for it. But when they repent, he delivers them from their distress, breaks the chains of sin that bind them, and turns the night into day. And third, God intervenes on behalf of of his goodness in the lives of foolish people who had given themselves to sin and find its death bringing results touching their relationships and lives. When they cry to the Lord, he heals them and reverses the killing effects of sin in their lives. And fourth, God rescues those pounded by calamity. When the storms threaten to sink us and we're at our wit's end, we can call on him and see him command the storms to be still because he's, well, he's good. He's been there for you more than you will ever know. No matter what situation you are facing today, God is the best person to take it to. There's no surer source of deliverance or blessing than him because he is good all the time. Well, let's get back to our third point here. Um, his, His goodness comes through his son, Jesus. Colossians 1 reminds us that Jesus is the image of the invisible God. And that God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him. So Jesus is God's goodness in the flesh. He demonstrated God's desire to pour out blessing and help us and deliver us in three ways. Way number one, he took the judgment that our sins deserved on himself. Romans 5.8 says God proves his own love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So God's extravagance flowed to us in the amazing substitution of his son in our place on the cross. His death for us is the undisputed picture of unmerited goodness. You don't deserve it. I don't deserve it. In fact, we continue to do things that prove we did not earn this. But God is good. His nature drives a desire to do for us what we can't do for ourselves. So he puts forward his son on our behalf to take our hell and give all who believe heaven. Now here's way number two. He includes a thousand other things in the gift of himself. Romans 8.32 says this of God. He did not even spare his own son, but offered him up for us all. How will he not also with him grant us everything? In other words, God has already shown his goodness towards you in the biggest way possible. All the other little details to help you live a godly life through thick and thin are included in that gift. And way number three. Jesus unlocks God's goodness toward us in new ways. Second Corinthians one twenty tells us that every one of God's promises is yes in Jesus. That means all the good and perfect gifts of God come to us through our relationship with Jesus. and if I want to understand and appreciate God's goodness to me, I can begin and end with His Son Jesus. Let's get to our third point what What is the response to God's goodness? Well, the goodness of God does call for a response. There's no doubt about that. So I'm going to give you three specific steps that we must must take to change our lives and to begin to fully experience the effects of God's generosity. Here's step number one, repent of unbelief and ingratitude. Romans 2.4 says, Or do you despise the riches of his kindness, restraint, and patience, not recognizing that God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance? See, Paul is saying, do you think that all these blessings that visit your days came because you are just an incredibly nice person who made God's special list? No, his goodness was meant to lead you to him. See, going through your life, receiving what he has been giving without trusting in Jesus, is like saying, God, I had all this coming. I deserve this and more. So come on, keep pouring it on. See, we want the gifts, but we sometimes don't want the giver. Our ingratitude and greed for what he can do for us while rejecting him is the height of sin. And one day the gravy train will come to an end. So stop, look around, see the hand of God in your life, and turn to him today. Put an end to taking from God and learn to thank him. Now here's step number two, rest in his goodness when trouble comes. You know, you and I live in a crazy world these days where bad things seem to be happening all around us, even to good people, and good things happen to bad people. Sometimes our circumstances argue with us about how good God is. Sometimes God's good plan for us means going through trials and losses and heartache and death. But, but hear me in this. He is there for you. Psalm 31 verses 19 to 20 says, How great is your goodness that you have stored up for those who fear you, and accomplished in the sight of everyone for those who take refuge in you. You hide them in the protection of your presence. You conceal them in a shelter from the schemes of men, from quarrelsome tongues. Friends, God has great goodness stored up for you. Take your refuge in him. Rest there. He's, he's up to more than you know and has hidden help that only comes when you give it up to him. And here's step number three, step out in faith. When you believe that God is good all the time, it frees you to take ever increasing steps of faith. I have a picture of Jeremiah twenty nine eleven that reminds me of God's intent toward me, for I know the plans I have for you. And here's this is the Lord's declaration plans for your welfare, not for disaster to give you a future and a hope. See, believing that cuts you loose from fear about taking risks for Christ. Psalm 84.11 is fuel for the fire for, of daring greatly for him. It says, For the Lord is a son. In other words, he illuminates the path I should take. And he's a shield. He protects me. The Lord gives grace and glory. That's exaltation for those who follow him. He does not withhold the good from those who live with integrity. So you never miss out if you step out with God. Let me end by kind of telling you a story about John Gilbert. He only lived to age 25. When John was five, he was diagnosed with Duchenne's muscular dystrophy, a a genetic progressive debilitating disease. It would claim his life 20 years later, but not before subtracting almost everything from him. Every year, John Gilbert lost something. In time, he lost the ability to do all the outward things that we take for granted, even the ability to speak. But there was one moment in his life that stood out and happened when he was invited to a National Football League fundraising auction. When it began, one particular item caught John's eye. It was a basketball signed by all the players of the Sacramento Kings. John so desperately wanted that ball that when it came up to bid, he felt his hand raise in the air. His mother quickly brought it back down, knowing they did not have the money to cover any bid. The bidding on the basketball continued with excitement. It rose to an astounding amount compared to other items at the auction, and especially to the real value of just the basketball. And finally, a man made a bid that no one else could possibly match and won the prize. The man walked to the front, claimed the basketball, but instead of going back to his seat, this man walked across the room and gently placed it into the thin, small hands of the boy who had never dribbled that ball down the court, never toss it to a teammate, never fire it from the foul line, but would cherish it for the rest of his life. John Gilbert, while he was still able, wrote these words. It took me a moment to realize what the man had done. I remember hearing gasps all around the room, then thunderous applause and weeping eyes. To this day, I'm amazed. Have you ever been given a gift that you could have never gotten for yourself? Has anyone ever sacrificed a huge amount for you without getting anything in return? You know something, friends? Everyone in this room would have to answer the question, yes. See, God is good all the time, and you and I are witnesses. Until next time, see the vision, live the mission, and feel the passion. God bless.